Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Fascinating Nouns. This is still the galaxy's most trusted source for incredible people, places, things, and ideas. Now, here at this curious nexus point, we explore this strange, unusual, offbeat, bizarre, intriguing, interesting, invigorating, quirky, quaint, quizzical, weird, wild, wacky, the fun, the frivolous, and the fringe, plus all the spaces in between. I am your host, Daniel J. Glenn. Now, tonight's guest is Michael Paul Smith. Now, for those of you who are like myself, on the cutting edge of pop culture knowledge, you may recognize that name. He kind of went viral in 2008-2009. By viral, I mean in the good way, the internet way, not the swine flu way. These were both happening right around the same time. Don't want you to get confused. He went good viral early part of 2009 for his unique brand of photography. Now, I kind of want him to explain what the photographs are, but I want to tell you why I find him fascinating. These are pictures, 1950s and 60s era photographs, that look extremely real. Now I say they look extremely real because they are in fact not pictures from the 50s and 60s. They are actually 124th scale models. And why should you find them fascinating? This model maker has really painstakingly crafted the world around him out of found objects. And I mean down to the last detail. Inside of cupboards there are fake small little plastic dishes and bowls inside of drawers forks, knives, spoons inside of a toolbox, little tools, functional tools. I mean, no detail was spared in this world that he created. And I also want to point out that he does these photos without the aid of Photoshop. These are natural photos. He goes out, gets gets the perspective, everything down the natural way, the way anyone would who hasn't had proper training through trial and error. That takes, makes the process take 10 times longer, 10 times harder, which kind of makes me appreciate it 10 times more. So anyway, let's get right into it. Michael, Paul Smith, thanks for so much for being here, man. Good morning to you. Well, you know, it's funny. I, I really had, you know, I don't want to use the word reservations about doing a show about a photographer because what you do is a visual art and what I'm doing is, you know, an audio thing. But number one, in this age of uh, pictures, I can put them on pictures. These are, I'm going to have several uh examples of your work on Pinterest and on, on my website. And you have your, almost your entire body of work on your Flickr site, is that correct? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yes, uh, 560-some photographs. So, uh, it's, uh, yes, quite a bit. 560? Yeah. That's in, not... in that area. So. And, these are, and these are all just the cream of the crop. I mean, these are the best pictures. You, you've taken thousands, I imagine. That is true, and uh, yeah, I call uh, every time I take a photo, have a photo session. I pick one out of it, and I usually take twenty photos per session. And um, yes, uh, when I get brave enough, I'm, I will eventually start putting uh, online my mistakes because uh, what's happening are there's enough there are enough people out there who are interested in my work, and how do I do it? And so I will uh, I'll start sort of doing tutorials. Uh, online and that, and I want them to know everything that I do. There's no magic behind it. Anybody can do this, so they need to see the mistakes. But I'm still not brave enough to do that because. Hmm. Well, I guess yeah. you've never heard the saying that a magician never reveals his secrets. Oh man, I used to work for a, a, somebody who said, "If you tell our secrets, I'm going to kill you." So oh that my was God. my part blanche to, to blab everything that I know. <laughs> I'm serious. So, am I at risk? Hold on. Am I at risk right now? <laughs> no, 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 not at all. And uh, actually, there's this, uh, uh, this line that says, I, it's good that the student becomes better than the teacher. And that's really what I, I live by at this point. So, you know, hey, be great. 
He's fabulous. Spoken by a student and not a teacher, I imagine. Uh, Well, why don't we, you know, we're talking about this this phenomenon, and we haven't really explained what it is. So Elgin Park is the concept, and it is basically a photo shoot of Elgin Park. Tell me, what is Elgin Park? Elgin Park is a place in my mind. uh, What? The, uh, it, it really doesn't exist, although it has a very Midwest feel to it. Uh, the short version of it is that uh, I, my only vice in the world is collecting die-cast cars, and I have over 300 of them, and uh, I need to uh, just not have them sit on a, a shelf. So I started building little model buildings the same scale, 124th, uh, and uh, and then I started photographing them, and something happened. It, it, they started to look real. And, but I never showed anybody because it just seemed too weird. Uh, you know, here's this older guy doing this, you know, little toys and stuff like that. But anyway, I got, <laughs> well, let me tell you. <laughs> I can tell you. Um, but um, so I, in 2008, I got brave and found Flickr. I mean, uh, and I said, okay, I'm going to put up the flagpole and see if anybody salutes it. And for about a year, there were just about a thousand hits. And then somebody in England saw it, my pictures and said, would you... Uh, photo, uh, can we use some of your photos? And it took off. I mean, I got 20 million hits. And uh, like overnight, and, like what was the what did how did you go from zero to two, 20 million? Uh, it was a, probably about three or four weeks worth of viewing. But I mean, Holy it was cow. Just every day, every day, my the counter was flip, you know, just going wild. And uh, and I couldn't figure out what was going on. And because again, I I thought that this was just this quirky little hobby that I had. And uh, but clearly it touched a lot of people and from everywhere. I mean, uh, and I was I started to get emails from all over the world, and, uh, and so I knew something was up. And uh, and then I started getting more serious about uh, the models I was making and all that, and gave some serious thought. And so Elgin, I needed a name because it looked like a real town, and I needed a name. And Elgin Park seemed very Midwest to me, you know, stable Midwest. You know, some maybe some underbelly there, but I wouldn't really show that. Uh, and people responded to that. So that's what Elgin Park is. Well, and you have a map of this place, which I just discovered. <laughs> yeah, look, I've been doing research on you for weeks, and oh, I just discovered that you have a, a map of the city, of this fictional city, because you have, like, landmarks. I mean, like, Orbit, Ice Cream. You know, that I, I did, like, a couple. I t- just grabbed, a, you know, a couple of series of the stuff that you've done, but Orbit Ice Cream Stand is one of them. You know, mm-hmm. we show, like, the you know, the, the final product and then, you know, the, the ice cream stand itself, cut apart so you can see the model, how the model's constructed, and then there's a cutaway view of what's at the diner. And, and all the pieces that you use to make, like the hot dog buns, the, you know, the Coke cans, oh, yeah. the, uh, you know, all that stuff. Because here's, here's what really struck me. And I'm going to make this about me for a second. So here's why, here's, why, here's why I thought you were amazing. Number one, you're a modern sculptor. I mean, these things are works of art without question. Number two, I thought that they were, they were real pictures. I mean, these things are so lifelike that I was blown away. I looked at them, and then they, there's a cutaway of you shooting the picture, and I was like, oh, my God, like, this is, these are models. This is incredible. I mean, this is like George Lucas type of stuff, you know, like when he did Star Wars. It was all models. I mean, that's what this looks like. You could be shooting a movie uh, in these things, you know? And it was all 1950s, 60s kind of era. Yeah, I mean, I was just blown away by the detail that was in these things, is basically what I'm saying. Did a great job. It's a, it's a, unbelievable. So That's now, wh- let's explore this underbelly really quickly since you've talked about it. Have you thought about doing any, like, film noir kind of shots or, like, you know, That's... gangsters, drug deals gone bad? I mean, any kind of crime scene shots? Um, it's It's 
boy, I'll try to keep this one short. It's, it's very convoluted, but uh, basically I'm going to keep it. We got an hour to film. We got an hour okay. to film, Mike. Uh, to, okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> back in keep 1952, it, yeah. um, the, um, there's Elgin, people come to Elgin Park for, uh, for comfort in, in some ways. And uh, to do too much of an underbelly thing that feels... I'm not negating that there's bad stuff out there, and my past has some bad stuff in it. My relatives had some really sketchy stuff in it, and I didn't think that it was necessary to put it out there. Uh, some of my captions, though, um, oh, allude to certain things uh, in there. That maybe something happened, like the Lint family, uh, bankers and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but no, I, I try to keep it general, uh, was it GP, general public, whatever. Uh, what about and maybe maybe Elgin Park can be the suburb? You know, I, I just I'm a big David Lynch fan, and like one of the yeah. things that he does is you know you have this beautiful suburb that has all these seedy things going on underneath. I mean that's his career. So maybe not Elgin Park, but maybe there's like you know there's Springfield and Shelbyville and The Simpsons. Like maybe there's you know an Elgin Park, an evil twin. You know, where that's where you do the maybe you can even shoot it under a different pseudonym, you know, maybe, you know, Paul Smithy Michaels or something, you know, and then do like a whole new phenomenon that no one knows it's you. That is in me. I mean, it is definitely in me. Actually, I do more Inland uh, Empire, uh, David Lynch. <laughs> there uh, you so go. I love it. It's really totally, you know, what are we looking at here? And uh, yeah, that's and everything. I mean, I could do that. And uh, I don't know if I'm ready yet. Like occasionally. That's that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I, I do Robbie the Robot, alternative universe, and that it's a little darker, but not as not as dark. Uh, I do get requests though for uh, Freddy Krueger and you know coming on the streets and the whole thing like that. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, I was actually approached by uh, a gaming company to use my scenes for uh, prototypes for their uh, for their. Uh, product there and they wanted it to all be very violent and stuff and and i really thought about that and there was it was fairly lucrative uh thing that they were offering me i couldn't bring myself to do it and i don't think i was being overly moral or anything it just elgin park wasn't there so yes maybe there is a suburb of elgin park there you, know, you go just elgin you know what <laughs> yeah well did was it a video game company or a board game company or what? It was a video game company wow yes. and uh yeah i was like i mean i get some really interesting uh well, I'm I'm a recluse by by nature, and I love uh, I love hermits. I boy, am I a hermit! Actually, <laughs> I, I, I trimmed my beard and hair for you just so. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, you've got a pretty. I, I do want to. I don't want to. You know, your models are the focus here, but I want to say you got some pretty cool facial hair. Sometimes you kind of look like a muppet because like there's just a slit <laughs> underneath, and it just the hair opens and like words come out. It's pretty cool. <laughs> funny. Dogs will stop and look at me, and babies too. Like are you, a, you know, you a dog? I mean, it, 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 they can funny. tell. I've had it for 42 years. I have not seen my face in 42 years. I have white face underneath, so. Freddy Krueger, who knows? Who knows? Uh, well, so you've got, you know, let's keep going with this underbelly thing. Cause I love this. Because you sent me, without asking, when I was looking oh. at some of the pictures, you had a model of a of, an, of a spaceship, like an alien spaceship. Oh, right, and right. without prompting, and the, obviously the first question I was going to ask is, did you do a photo shoot with the spacecraft? And you did. Like, there's this alien spacecraft that fell. Um, that would be like a really cool series of like them taking over the city. But one of the weird things about your work is that there's no people in it. It's all everything but people. Yes. What's going on with that? It's, uh, it's creepy, I, man. 
Uh, well, it's it's creepy. Uh, yes, on some level, it's creepy. As a matter of fact, I get some very strong uh, interaction from people uh, saying, "Where are the people? You know, this is bug. This is really bugging me." Uh, and uh, although in the cars, I realize cars can't drive by themselves, so I put little plastic figures in there. But what I've learned, and this was from square one when I was starting to do this, was uh, that and it was a very personal thing. That when I look at a photograph, if there's a person in the photo, I find myself looking at that person all the time and putting their own person, you know, putting a history on them and all that. And I sort of negate what's going around. If there are no people, all of a sudden I can go right into that scene, and that's how I do my research. And you know, I just sort of look around and see what the details are. So I figured. Uh, and when I realized that people were interested in my work, that it allowed them to put themselves in the photo without any kind of uh, distraction or anything by other people. And most people get that and, and thank me. I mean, I, you, you should see the emails I get. It's quite, it's quite a lot. And, but anyway, that's why there are no people. And it's not meant to be creepy, uh, but I definitely see the creepiness in there. So. Well, it looks, like it, it looks like either you – know, like, like did the rapture just happened or it's like <laughs> post apocalyptic like there's there were aliens but they're all you know I mean not aliens like zombies have come and the zombies have all spread and this is like the empty shell of the city. Yeah, you know, I mean look, every artist has to have the kind of hook and that is kind of, you know, what you do. And I I like it. I'm not telling you I don't like it. It's just like kinda of crazy, you know, like oh, when you look at it like a Christmas cool. card from me then because of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, man. I'm just giving you my honest opinion here. Um, but so the other thing about you know, that particular the alien picture was that on your on the Flickr account, there's like a story. Like it says like, Oh, you know, Gene and Bob stumble across the so have you thought about doing any, like, fan fiction in, well, I guess not fan fiction, you know, creator fiction based on Elgin Park and the yeah. Underbelly? Yeah, it's, uh, boy, a lot of stuff has come up since 2008 since I've been putting this on there. Uh, I have been approached by two different writers saying, because they followed the captions that I have under my photographs, and the captions just sort of happen. I mean, and occasionally, there's enough of them now that I will make some cross-references. But uh, someone said, can I do, write a story, you know, just kind of bits and pieces. Actually, it's like, a, what was it, uh, Apocalypse Z or whatever it was. Uh, oh, World War Z. World War Z. There the you book go. Was, was all about interviews by a lot of different people after mm. it happened. And I found that really fascinating. And, uh, and that's what this person was thinking about, you know, doing a story of, you know, after something bad had happened or something interesting. Uh, I love so, it. I'd read that. I, I would read it. I'd promote it. I would do another ep episode on it. That sounds great. You want to you want to be a continued guest? Write this book. Right. Hey, we'll talk after the yeah. After but so so there's no nothing in the works about that. Uh no. Uh there's uh I've been approached by another uh, publisher. So there are allegedly two books uh, in the making, and one's going to be behind the scenes, how I do it, and uh, sort of the show and tell. And the other one is will be more of a, a picture book, similar to the, my first one. But my work has changed so drastically since the first book came out uh, that it's it's almost like a, a different person had made these photographs. So that's taken up a lot of time. Uh, it's it's quite a process and uh, to get a book, couple books together and call through all these photographs and and all that. So well, I'm we're gonna have we're gonna have links to your work on on the website. So if you're interested in what we're talking about, the book will be available. So when you say that you've kind of 
changed as a person? Is this because you became famous and then sold out and now your work is a whole different thing? Or what, what, is, what do you mean you've changed? Matured as an artist? What's going on? No, it's, um, it really is. God, I have, to, I have to say this up front. Let me put this on record. I am yeah. so not interested in you know, the fame and fortune aspect of it. It's just not who I am. What about uh, the, not the fortune aspect? Oh, it's oh man! When you have another hour, we can get into the philosophy of uh, you know being broke. And, you know, I, mean, I have I work in a monastery. You know, I was raised Catholic, Italian family. I mean, you know, there's, there's all that going on. Uh, but anyway, uh, we're gonna get back to that monastery thing. I'm writing it down, so okay. keep listening. I'm getting <laughs> back to it. Stories. Yeah. All right, go on. Uh, but anyway, uh, the the thing that about Elgin Park and, and the fame part of it, and I, I hate, I don't like that word, but anyway, uh, what I've, over the years, what has happened, I, it, my work has affected people in some, such profound ways that I had never even imagined. Uh, uh, quick things where uh, uh, two different doctors approached me, uh, wrote to me and said that they were, uh, had shown my work to their patients and uh, somebody was working with Alzheimer's patients and they saw the, my work, they showed up to the work just to get, just to show them something, and a dialogue started. So here are these patients, these, these images are triggering, clearly triggering something in them, and it gets this dialogue, and I'm just going, wow, this is really great. Uh, and who knew that it had this kind of potential? That's, and, in, that's incredible. Uh, Think about that. That's incredible. Your pictures are triggering memories in the back of people's heads whose brains are basically turning to mush. You know, yeah, you're so, connecting all these things in the back. Absolutely, and and also uh, not just for Alzheimer's, uh, autistic uh, people, uh, children, they see my work and they're and they, they just sort of take it apart and look at it and then they start making their own and uh, I get no kidding photographs yeah and they they'll send me their photographs and uh, saying look what I did you know and it's like I mean, this this is the uh, the emotional Italian in me but this really tears me up inside in a good way it's like oh yes yes whatever you guys want you know take it i will tell you everything <laughs> wow so. that's that's incredible though i mean that's that that's going on that they're i mean you've got a fan base now i mean that's got to be pretty cool yeah and you got people it's, looking up to you like that you but you've inspired you've inspired a lot of people i have i have actually that's great <laughs> are you so you're not inter but you're not interested in that this is uh well, at, at a distance i mean i will tell them everything uh but it's I'm sorry I'm getting down, going down this road and all that. I hope it doesn't sound like self-depreciation or anything like that. It's just it's just not my makeup. Uh, but uh, if, if it will inspire you, no matter what, I mean, even if it's to get someone to pick up a camera, because I was told when I was in uh, high school, in my senior year, my guidance counselor said I had no talent whatsoever and I should just work in a steel mills. And I believe you put it, you have they had no discernible talent of, for employment. <laughs> that was yes. how you put it or something like That's that. Right. <laughs> what? I was being nice. Uh, but, you know, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, they don't, this person doesn't know who I am and all that. I didn't take that to heart or anything. Good but, for you. But if I can help in some ways uh, to somebody who sends me a photograph and says, could you look at this and tell me about, you know, how, how can I make this better? It's like, absolutely, because everybody has the talent one form or another. Um, well, that's so. not may not be true. I don't. I don't know that I could do what you do. I mean, because what you do is not. I mean, you're not a photographer. You know, I mean, no, that's not. not I mean, your photographs are incredible. I mean, don't get me wrong, but I mean, for me, the true genius in what you do comes in the scale. You know, I mean, you read. I read. You you had sent me a little thing about how scale was important. You know, your your the models are one twenty fourth real life, right. and one and. 
Is that right? One half, one half inch equals a foot in real life, just in case people don't know what one twenty fourth is. So that's that's incredible. I mean, so you, you know, you're taking, you've taken the world and scaled the world down. This isn't like, oh, I grabbed a model off the, a car model off the shelf and I took pictures of it. I mean, like I said, with that diner, you've got hamburger buns on the back. <laughs> you know, like hamburger <laughs> buns that no one's going to see. That's but you've right. taken this, you know, you've taken this this care, you know, I mean, you've taken this loving care and made more than one individual hamburger bun. This isn't like a pack of buns. This is like individual, you know, I, I, how long does it take you to make a hamburger bun? Uh, well, once I figured out how to do it, which is actually uh, insulation foam that's carved and then been painted, uh, you know, I, I could probably get a couple dozen out, you know, in about half an hour. Um, so I can, I can get it down, Pat. Um, I mean, you should see the house. Uh, that I built, uh, you know, you take the roof off, you can't even see into the house, but there are dishes in the uh, the cabinets and there, there are sheets on the bed. I mean, you know, I just, uh, it's, it's a little out of control, but yet there is this quality that my dad always said, make it as good as you possibly can. And if someone takes something apart that you did, they make them amazed when they see the underneath of it and say, oh my God, this was just, my dad was like that. That's what he was, so old what? Italian. Well, I mean, that's like to me. That's where that's where the the genius comes in. Is I mean, you it's you know that that you've put so much care into creating this little world. Uh, I mean, it's it's unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, it's absolutely unbelievable. Like it, my jaw was dropping after page after page of look because you've got you know pictures of you. There's one of you crafting like a lawn chair. Okay. You know, it looks like it's made out of toothpicks, but like it's it's cut. You know, like there's there's diagonal cuts. Where you've made like what you'd go to IKEA and pick up this lawn chair, you know, but right. you've made it for you know a human being who's one twenty fourth normal size. It's it's only an inch. It's a little over an inch tall, and there's twenty seven pieces in that chair. Um, and uh, yeah, that it, it does make me sound a little. I mean, my therapist couldn't help me on this one, so. Uh, well, but, you sound like a nut. I mean, yeah, it sounds crazy. I'm not gonna lie; it sounds absolutely insane. But you know, that's why this is. You know, it's it's in that insanity. As long as it doesn't become pathological in any way, where you're not harming yourself and others. But that is where the genius lies. You know, I mean, Van Gogh cut off his ear, but I have a Van Gogh painting on my wall because it's gorgeous. You know, do you have both? Can I see? I do have both ears. Oh, he does have both ears. Yes, it's that quality that I think is is desirable by everyone. I mean, I think I think your guidance counselor was jealous that he didn't have any discernible talent besides telling other people that they didn't have any discernible talents. I have thought that many times, uh, but I won't go down that road. Well, one thing about the models though is is uh, if you see these models up close, uh, the the furniture, little chair, and all that. I mean, they're I must say they they look really good and all that, but they actually look very toy like. It's not until I get them outside with the real with real sunlight. Sunlight does something to my models, uh, and it just it gives them this reality that uh, that you don't see when it's indoors. Uh, so there's that kind of magic that happens. Uh, and I don't believe it or not, one of the buildings, well, actually all the buildings, uh, none of my windows open up. And people said, why don't you? You know, you took the time to make the window, you know, with 18 pieces and stuff like. Why don't you make make them open? I said, you know, I have to draw a line somewhere. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's nutty and then there's nutty, you know. Right, uh, yeah. Let's not go so, overboard. So, I mean, I assume, I assume you get nice emails from your from your work. That's not all people kvetching about uh, <laughs> windows that don't open. And, uh, I mean, is that, there are nice emails, right? Oh, yeah, I'd say 99.9, uh, .9, uh, yes. And, and I answer every one of them. So this is a full-time job. Holy cow, really? 
Yeah, and uh, thank God for translators for computers because you know I get I'm getting started to make headway into Japan, China, and Indonesia, and India. Holy uh, cow! So which is uh, yeah, and they send me pictures. It's so wonderful. I mean, here they make their their buildings of an American building though, but it's out in the Indonesian jungle, you know, with a uh, oh that's a so amazing. Car. And but they took the time. They figured it out. It's like absolutely, absolutely. Well, you've kind of mastered it. I mean, so so let's get back to the scale thing, because I think that this, to, for me, this was like the the aha moment for me of how brilliant you are, because every, no, I mean, and I mean that, everything it's is like, to I, scale. I, it's you, so Catholic on my part. No, no, but like everything is to scale. So, you know, you had this whole thing where you get used baking soda for snow. There's things of, you know, you shooting this in the snow and baking, baking soda, baking, baking soda. Yeah. No, baking soda, it worked better than, than baby powder or flour or salt. And so I figured that out. And, uh, so yeah, it's got to look right. It's a uh, scale to get to, to talk about the point you're making. Uh, if anything is out of scale, either it's too small or too big, uh, even though you might not see it when you're looking at it, some subconsciously you will pick it up and the picture will make you uncomfortable. I've just noticed that. So I'm a real stickler uh, and I've lost a lot of photographs uh, and didn't use them because, you know, something was just wrong and, uh, and it blows the, you know, the magic. So, uh, yeah, so I, I really take note of that. And I learned something very powerful years and years ago. They said, if you can't make it right, don't do it at all. And just leave it out. And, yeah. Because uh, the mind will fill in a lot of, you know, I can have that baking soda all over the place with some car tracks, and that's all I have to have, and you will know what that scene is, you know. Yeah. So. Um, you don't have to have snow on every street corner and on the trees and all that stuff. Um, well, and you, could you, the, the interesting point that kind of brought it home was that you can't mist the cars for rain because the, the water droplets bead at real size. They don't bead at 124th size. You know, like they're not, they're not, they're not adjusting for the small windshield. So you have these big water droplets on this. Like that's crazy to me. I wouldn't even think about that, but that's a problem. It it really is, and and there's more times than not, like the dirt, the the schmutz in the uh, in the street and stuff like that. That I learned uh, that you can't use regular dirt. It's too big. So uh, I have a, a brand new vacuum cleaner, which I truly love. And boys, I say a lot, huh? Anyway, um, I got a vacuum cleaner. I love too, man. I'm a kindred okay. spirit. I just I got it like two months ago. It's amazing. Anyway, go on. <laughs> and it has a it has a, a double a whirlwind vacuum, you know, container and stuff like that. And the first uh, container holds the bigger lumps, which is good for uh, dirt in the uh, in the gutter. But the, the the finely sifted stuff that's the stuff that I sift on the cars to make it look like road dirt because there's a clat a static cling to it. And it just spreads nicely. I can dirty up white walls that, you know, I'm thinking, this works. This is great. It really was an aha moment. And um, so, as a matter of fact, if you look at my earlier work, you can tell my earlier work from my later work because my earlier stuff, I didn't know that. Yet. I didn't know about the water, the rain, or the you know, snow, or the dirt. And I started getting braver and braver uh, by dirtying my cars, which at the time cost 150 bucks each. Now that they're not making them anymore, they're worth like $500. And here Holy I am. Cow. You know, dumping stuff on them, but uh, <laughs> well, I mean, they're made to be used. I mean, they're made out of metal. You know, I mean, these are die cast, right? Steel. Yes, yes. yes. And right. they break really easy. I mean, I, I just dropped one yesterday, and I was like, oh god, it's like an old friend. Anyway, uh, did you dent it? I mean, did it? Can you fix it? Uh, I can fix it because I'm an I'm an adult. That's what I tell people. I, I know how to fix it. So. <laughs> yeah, that's well, how that's, you know you're an adult. That's good. Well, let's talk about how you how you kind of got into this. I mean, this is how did this obsession start? Like, did you 
Um, I mean, did you put little Legos together? Did they have Legos when you were a kid? I don't know how like, far no. Legos go back. No, we had Tinker Lincoln Logs. Lincoln Logs. <laughs> and we had something called American Brick, which was the uh, a prototype for uh, Legos, but they never clicked in place. So it was just by gravity that was holding them. So you could build this quite a large wall, but, you know, you sneeze and the wall fell over. That's the worst. Uh, yeah, the 50s and the 60s was a, were the era of patience. You had to talk to patience. But I would use cigar boxes and uh, and use found objects and I remember taking one to school. I was probably in the second or third grade, and I made this little house out of a cigar box. And, and the nuns looking at me like, "What is this?" Yeah. <laughs> just like made this. Isn't it wonderful? <laughs> uh, so uh, again, I, but maybe that's why I became a hermit, you know, or yeah. a recluse. And uh, so I kept making these buildings, and I also built uh, model cars, uh, plastic model cars. What was and, your first model car? Well, the one that I remember that really knocked my socks off was uh, it was for my 12th birthday. My dad bought me a uh, a '62 Chevy Impala, AMT three-in-one model car. See, I really know this, and uh, and it was like, oh, the possibilities here. It was it was overwhelming. I had done some earlier stuff, but uh, they they were kind of meaningless little you know, just snap, little kind of snap things. But this we actually had to, to build. So I started collecting those, and they cost. A dollar fifty, so that means I I had to mow three lawns to get one model car. Holy so cow! These were precious. These were precious things. But you know, I after after I got twenty of them and all that, I made a parking lot outside and got the lawnmower and you know bowled them over because <laughs> that's what guys do, you know. <laughs> we burn and blow things up, you know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so did did you ever build like rockets? I mean, that stuff was just all cars and. Uh, I had friends who built rockets, and I would just tag along, and uh, it was kind of cool and all that. But anything with wheels, trains, cars, trucks, I don't know what it is. To this day, I don't know what it is. There's certain lines that make me very happy, you know, the uh, the edge of a fender, you know, the, uh, the curve of a, a wheel cutout. Um, it, it is very deep. When I die and go to heaven, God will say, do you have any questions? And that's one of my questions, you know. Why do I love cars? I really, again, I can't work on cars. I'm, I'm mechanically... in incapable of working on a car i break everything um so yeah i don't know what this is wow so did so i mean were you throughout your life were you able to take this clear gift and monetize it in any way not only later in life no, not even later in life as a matter of fact when i got the first book contract it was like i was this sounds so lame but it's so true though uh it's like you want to give me money <laughs> to for the really? things I've made, you know, secretly, you know, behind closed doors. And uh, it was just, it, it just amazes me. Um, I'm not a businessman, clearly. Yeah, that's that's very clear, Michael. That's very clear. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, you know, no one's fooled at home. But I want you to be, <laughs> you should be paid handsomely for this stuff. And there is a, I will say this, there is a donate button on your website, which I plan to donate to, and I think people should if they're enjoying your pictures. I mean, if 68 million people are looking at this and they all donated $1, You'd be, I don't know what the math is, the math's very difficult, but you'd be rich, you know? Uh, actually, the donate button is, thank you for mentioning that, because yeah. the donate button goes directly to maintaining that site, actually. Uh, because uh, somebody wrote somebody wrote in uh, from Brazil, in Spanish, no less, as though I can read uh, <laughs> you know, Portuguese, uh, you know, reading me the riot act that how dare I have a donate button. And so I got someone to translate for me, and I said, you know, this goes right back into the, the website because, you know, it just has to be maintained. 
Well, there's this. I'm going to go on a rant really quickly here, and I apologize. This is your time, but this is this is this is insane to me because you're and and other people are providing something online for free, and we live in this world where because we get it for free, we think we shouldn't have to pay for it. But you had to pay for it. This is time. This is your photos are a culmination of years, decades of interest, work, and investment into honing your craft, accumulating the materials, honing your craft and carefully and lovingly designing every single picture that these people can casually look through. And mm. you don't think that that deserves $5 admission? You know, you go to a museum that, that we fund, uh, you know, taxpayer dollars fund museums. And still, when I go and see a public museum, I have to pay to get in. I mean, this is, it's insane. The, the, the thought that you wouldn't have to donate some, not even donate, but the thought that you would get angry at someone for asking for meager donations just to keep the site up so that you can enjoy it for relatively nothing disgusts me, frankly. And I think people should, I think people should support it if they like it. Anyway, my rant is over. Let's get, you, you're free to respond. If not, let's move along. No, I'll, uh, you know, every, everything helps. And, uh, you know, and, Yes, everything helps, and it would be wonderful. It is not necessary, but it would be graciously received. Well, that's great. Now let, let's let's continue on um, your because I think your your employment path is kind of interesting because you went to school and you actually you know got a, a certificate in in art, correct? Uh, art, a three year certificate in art, and it was it was great because the, the school had us do everything. We had to mix our own pigments. We had to learn about color. We had to learn about I mean absolutely every aspect of it and we didn't produce much but we had they gave us the most amazing tools to go out into the world and and uh, you know produce whatever we wanted uh, actually but before that uh, I almost I almost got a degree in teaching um, special needs children but I dropped out uh, six weeks before I graduated this is so me to do that because I was offered a job in advertising and uh, for the, the tune of ten thousand dollars a year you know and that was more than my dad was making. So, uh, wow. see, I did go for the bait. I went. You did. You bucks. sold out. <laughs> First sellout. Good for you. And I had a heart attack afterwards. So, in uh, during one of the board meetings, because it was such a high pressure job. So for ten thousand bucks, I had a heart attack. <laughs> Holy, serious? How old were you? I was uh, thirty-three. You had a heart attack at thirty-three. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh my uh, God. So did, did you quit or what happened next? Oh, oh, yes, I was Is in the ICU unit. You know, with with the machines pinging and the the. the company boss calls me up and he says you're just laying around for a couple of weeks can you do us a, a design package and i said i quit holy I said, cow seriously <laughs> well you're still under contract what are you you're not doing anything yeah. in the icu right you're sitting yeah, around all day it's the evil side of me <laughs> what that's insane no, no ice, as my dad would say <laughs> so so how did this so where did the monastery fit in uh, when, uh, when I was 10 years old, I have two brothers and two sisters, uh, two brothers who are, in, I need to tell you this, it's, this sort of fits in. Anyway, I have two, we're all a year apart, five children all apart. Uh, my parents were very young. Anyway, so I have a twin brothers a year younger than I am, and my dad wanted us to become very religious, and there was a monastery nearby in Pittsburgh, and, uh, he got us to go to the services and say, help say mass and all that. And we, uh, he ended up make, uh, wanting us to work there. So we worked on the weekends, you know, cleaning and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And with the thought that we would become, uh, you know, clergy and, uh, you know, you learned a lot. I mean, it, it, it gave me a lot of good moral foundation and all that, but, uh, and all the stuff you're reading in the headlines nowadays about those institutions, you know, I could tell you stories. 
Uh, yeah, holy cow. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. So uh, it was a, it, the monastery was interesting. And uh, for a lot of, uh, many, many, many reasons. Uh, but the, the sketchier, your side was there was a, uh, a priest there who was an exorcist assistant. And, uh, you know, he'd tell us tales. And uh, he actually took us someplace where we got to see somebody's handprint burnt into a door. I mean, this was to put the fear of God in us. And, you know, these things still haunt me to this day. Uh, and the monastery. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on a second. Yeah. So you, you did, was the handprint really burnt in? I mean, or, or yes. was this was it no. was it made to scare you, or did were you it real exorcism? It was a real exorcism. Uh, it had taken place in this other monastery, and uh, talk about creep central. I mean, it's it's an, it, you just can't describe the air. The movies don't show you what the how tangible that kind of stuff is, you know. And then uh, so they were we were to, telling stories and. We were always these, told these stories, uh, also to be, uh, you know, this is our, our fight uh, for good versus evil and stuff like that, but also to kind of scare us too. I mean, it was a, it was a double-edged sword. Um, so did you did you accompany any of these exorcisms, or was this a one-time thing, or did you? That was a one-time thing, and it was enough to uh, when I saw that, I guess I was about. I stopped going to the monastery probably when I was seventeen. Yeah, actually, we were just about to move to Massachusetts, so this was in Pittsburgh, and. Uh, and some other stuff was going on in the monastery that I just said, I, I, you know, I really don't want this anymore. Uh, but it was, uh, I didn't want to get involved in uh, exorcism or scary stuff because uh, I don't know if you were raised Catholic or not, but, you know, that stuff. I, I was, so I'm, I'm with you. Oh, then you know. I know. Yeah. This stuff's amazing. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's certified exorcists, you know, in, in the world. This is a real thing. You know, they don't want to, They don't like talking about it, but it's it's legitimate. I mean, this is why it's interesting to me. But I mean, there's some evidence that that supports what they do. Whether or not it's a demon, I don't know. But I mean, right. And that's that's another thing. And when the uh, this is sort of getting off topic of Elgin Park, but maybe not. You know. Uh, that's no. We're going to come back to it. This is Elgin Park needs to be overrun by demons and zombies. That's that's where <laughs> nice. we're going with this. How about nice? Let's do the Doctor Who, the Angels, you know, or something. <laughs> you, know? Uh, or, you know, something less uh, less terrifying. Well, I mean, you know, and on that point, I would say that your photographs really are kind of like the Norman Rockwell. I mean, they are the opposite of that. They're the Norman Rockwell of miniatures, you know, without the people in the dentist's office. But you're seeing, you're seeing the dentist's office. Yeah, I mean, were these real places um, that you're that you're doing? Like, is Orbit Ice Cream is that a real place, or no, was uh, it? No, that's uh, actually I'm telling tales. Actually, the time to tell it all here. Um, true confessions time. The Orbit Ice Cream is based on the Lionel Plasticville ice cream stand and which i truly loved as a kid and we were so, we were we were so poor how poor were you yeah, how poor so were you poor, <laughs> that i got an american flyer train when i was much older because that's all they can afford i mean that was really sweet that they did but i coveted this uh the plastic bill uh, ice cream stand and when I, I as an adult i bought one you know on ebay and stuff like that and i said i need to make this into so that's not a real thing uh but the the barber shop is real uh the flower store is real Gibson Flower, although I changed the name. Um, there are things that have the flavor. Uh, well, I built the house that I grew up in, and that's that's on there. Uh, now, how was that process? That must have been intense. That was. Uh, if you, I I tell everybody this: don't go to therapy. Build the house you grew up in, uh, because you will know every single room. And I, like my other models, this house has all the I matched the wallpaper. You know, I mean, it's it's all in there. And each room helped me to relive uh, some amazing things, the good and the bad and all that stuff. Um, and that was a four-month process. 
and uh, it was really it was really quite wonderful. So that's a, actually a really real house, and I took it, drove it to Pittsburgh, 600 miles away, and photographed it in the area that I grew up in. Not exactly on the street I lived in because that was so built up and I couldn't do it. But uh, yeah, that was that was a good one. So that that's based in reality. So that must have been like I mean that must have been like a purging of all kinds of of things. You know, <laughs> oh, I, I I seriously this sounds so. Uh, awful and I mean there were days I was weeping uh, there are some rooms I couldn't finish you know or I yeah. me I start them and I just couldn't do it uh and we had an extended family my grandmother from Italy you know lived with us and we had a lot of you know all that kind of Michigas that went with that god I sound like I'm Jewish here with the words. <laughs> <laughs> everybody I know is Jewish except uh, uh, but the Michigas is uh that were in those rooms uh yeah pretty intense it was a good project. I'm glad I did it. I mean, and you, I mean, because like, what goes with that is you have to recreate everything. I mean, you're making these things from scratch. I mean, pictures on the wall. There's photos right. of you making pictures on the wall, ironing boards, you know, little tools, yeah, you know, yeah. TVs. Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised the TVs don't work. If you plug the TVs in, do they work? I mean, do they have like, yeah. a little picture on there? It's funny you should mention that. You know, I, I could if I have some oh, friends who are geeky enough, you know, to give me little LED, little screen readout screens and all that. But then I'm thinking. One of the things that I've learned is, as I'm doing more and more photographs, uh, is that I can't put too much time into every individual model because I don't have a storage space. So if something takes four months, that I, I, I really cut back. It, a model should only take me about a month at this point because I might not use it again, or I will use part of it again. I don't, I don't know if that was clear. but uh, So you keep, you keep everything? I keep everything, and uh, the, the main, a lot of the buildings are, I have a wall, a back wall from one building, a front wall from another, and then I'll make a, a facade uh, for if I get inspired to do something, like the shoe store. It's like, I need a shoe store, so I just made the facade and put that on an existing building. It's like film. That's what film does. I mean, why yeah. not? Why make yeah, a whole new everything for every single thing you're building? Absolutely. It's, it's very theater. Uh, absolutely. So now the other thing that's crazy about what you do is that you go to real world locations and you're filming. The backdrops are all real, like the trees are real tree. I mean, this is you're creating that scale again. Mm. How do you do that? Just with, Ooh. I mean, is there, is there is there a formula? For, I mean, I know some people have it and some people don't. Like I, I'm good at composition of photos, but I couldn't tell you scale. Like I know something's wrong with it. But you have to be really trained to know, oh, it's the, you know, this is looks too big or, you know. So how do you get the scale of the trees in the background to look so accurate? Uh, I, boy, I'm stuttering here only because, uh, like, not My questions will do that. They'll, they'll, yeah. they'll blow you off. I got it. Oh, oh there's, there's, there's like five channels that, that need to be unloaded simultaneously. Uh, when I first started out, I didn't know. I really didn't know, and I'd set up my table and look through the viewfinder, and something in the viewfinder does something. The lens, whatever the lens is, because everything's on automatic. Uh, the viewfinder squishes things, or does some, how's that for professional? Yeah, huh? I was going to say, you're using all automatic settings, and it does the <laughs> something, and things happen, and then I hit the button. <laughs> this is a professional photographer, ladies and gentlemen. This is professional jargon you're hearing right now on the show. And... Um, well, the thing is, when, when I look at the uh, a test shot, I go, oh, that, that building's too close. So I literally just drag the table with my models on and drag it back a few feet or something, you know, and get it right. And I still do that. But over the years now, since 2008, uh, it's been how I can't do math, so however long that's been, uh, I, I can sort of judge visually. But somebody just recently, uh, God bless his soul, uh, sent me 
you can get a, a stick painted every, a black and white, every, uh, every foot, black foot, white foot, black foot, white foot, and then you make your scale stick, which is one quarter, one, you know, one half, one half, and you line them up, one across the street and one not on the model. And if they line up precisely, that you got your scale. I didn't know this, you know. Um, well, that makes it easy. It was brilliant, but I'm never going to do it uh, because... <laughs> What? I'm, too, I, I'm a Luddite in some ways. You know, it's like, ah, this works. Well, the yeah. stick is too advanced. That's the technology you don't want to use. It, I, I have to Painted stick. <laughs> this is awesome. You really are, Hermit. This is great. Oh, it's, it's terrible. I, I worked on a, a quick story, which will illuminate much here. Is oh, that, this uh, is great. I worked on a model, uh, and my boss did all the math in his head. I mean, he was just like, blah, 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 you know, 90 seconds, you know, millionths of an inch and stuff like that. And so he told me to make this very simple thing. And, and I get very confused uh, with a lot of, with numbers and lines and stuff. So I figured out, I told him to, I figured out what a, an inch was and I made an inch piece of paper and I folded it in half. And I said, that's a half an inch. And I folded that in half, that's a quarter inch. And I kept folding pieces of paper like that. And as those were my rulers. And I made the model and it wonderful everybody was happy and he comes over and he goes what the hell is this pile of paper you know sitting there i said that's how i made it i said i can't read the ruler uh and he's like wow and he just gave me the look um yeah so yeah anyway oh, that's that's, very that's great that is telling no that's <laughs> great i mean because like you don't do things the way it should be. it should be done but that's but that's what makes it so great you know, I mean, if everyone was doing it the way it should be, they wouldn't, the mind wouldn't work the way your mind works. I mean, right. no, but I mean that. I mean, that's, that's where people miss it. They're like, oh, I must be doing it correct. Well, it's like, yeah, that way of thinking is why you're not making models like this, why you're not making photography like this. I mean, yeah, I wish I, wish I had that, that ability. Um, so let's talk about, with the pictures, you've described them as having one-frame stories. So you're basically taking one picture and telling an entire story. Yes. Now, how does that work exactly? Um, uh, oh boy, complicated question, actually. Um, well, it has really has to do, one of the, the main features is, uh, well, you see what this thing, like the last, last late, blah, 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 boy. Mm, uh, easy for you to say. <laughs> yeah, boy. That makes sense. Uh, I get it. Thank you. The, the latest photograph I uh, photo, uh, took yesterday was uh, cars going down a street at last moment of sunset. And, uh, and it, when you look at the photograph, uh, the immediate, and I've showed it to somebody before I posted it, and I said, you know, what do you see here? And they said, it looks like somebody's leaving concerts, or, you know, and they understood that the cars were high-end and stuff. And they said, you know, something, a group of richer people are, have done something. So all of a sudden, this person who didn't, never saw this picture before is starting to make a little story uh, mm. in their own mind. And because there's no other people in the photograph, you know, this person was putting themselves in there, too. Uh, and that's sort of the, the essence of what my one story one picture story is uh, so you can bring what you want to the, to uh, each image I have my own captions and that's just my own conceit um, just because I like telling stories and stuff <laughs> yeah and uh, but the, the captions will uh, trigger other stories and other people and uh, so it sounds kind of convoluted but that's really what that's all about the one frame story it's, it's really kind of messy and jumbled and all that but you bring what you want and and I'll set up the scene for even if you don't know that it's 1935, you can tell that it's a slightly different era. Yeah. Well, you don't need, it doesn't need to be date specific. Right. right. 
Um, so with that alien picture, was the, have you encountered this before? Like, where did that come from? Oh, that was so weird. Uh, I just got it, that die-cast car. Uh, the, what I got was a truck, a pickup truck, a 66 uh, Chevy pickup. And I went, you know, this looks like something out on a country road. I mean, it was. It just came to me. And I went, and uh, I have uh, some storage in, in, the, in the hallway where I live and all that. And uh, there was the flying saucer box. And I went, hmm, here it is. I mean, it was the aha moments. I wait for those things. And it was a question of, well, where am I going to do this? And because I don't have a car, believe it or not, how ironic, I have to do everything within a mile radius because I walk to where I, where I photograph. But you and, don't you don't own a car, so you own three three hundred model cars, but no actual <laughs> functional car. The, that's the joke. Oh um, man! And I and I schlep everything on the um, on my baggage cart, so I really look like this eccentric old guy, you know. And they just leave me alone at this point. But anyway, um, <laughs> they're scared. It, yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't look, children go away. <laughs> Or not for the reasons you think. Right, yeah. And that's another, well, getting back to the flying saucer, I knew that there's a, there's a, the mighty Aberjona River, which is actually looks like a creek, is uh, literally across the street from where I live. And, uh, and I, and it looked very woodsy, but there was an open space view and stuff like that. And I said, this is where the flying saucer wants to land. And it was like within 10 minutes, I just got everything together and, and it trembled out there and, uh, and took the photograph. So it was very inspired. It, it was, it was a, I was very content with it too, because I, I, I generally get anxious when I go out. God, I'm starting to sound like Woody Allen. I, get, I just get so anxious. <laughs> I start oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but be, only because I'm still learning. It, it sounds so odd, but I am still learning the craft because I never learned it technically. I never went to school for it and all that. So it's like, was my last picture my best picture and stuff? So here I go out, out into the woods, you know, with my my models and stuff like that. And, uh, but that was, uh, that's why the flying saucer happened. And, you know, I'm, I'm a space fan. Uh, science fiction, oh my god, you know, I love this stuff. Although I don't watch the sci-fi channel anymore. I don't know if I'm going to get canned for saying that. But, uh, no, you're no, good. Fine. Some plots now. Let's get some plots in there. You didn't like Sharknado? <laughs> It's right up there with snakes on a plane. Yeah. Hey, so um, so have you ever thought about doing instead of doing picture like uh, instead of doing people in the pictures, what about silhouettes? You know, like what about like a silhouette on like a, like a I'm just a really big film noir fan. But like in that in that alien picture, if there was like a silhouette of an alien, like you didn't see the alien figure, but like you know behind the truck or something. That's like, yes. That'd be I pretty would, creepy, I, man. This is where my mind goes. You're into like you're Norman Walk Rockwell. Um, you know. I'm film noir, science, science fiction. Now this is actually I'm going to steal that idea. Uh, thank you. There you uh, go. Boom. Steal right. it. It's right. You heard it here first. Just give me credit. That's all I ask. Just give me credit. Well, I've I've started putting. I might have mentioned earlier. I put uh, little plastic people inside the cars so you can see the silhouette, so it doesn't look odd that the cars. But uh, there is one or two photographs where I am. My shadow is actually in the photo, so there is a hint that there is a person there. Uh, but I love the idea of a monster. Yeah, I mean, I have uh, was it Ray Harryhausen monsters, you know, with the one eight, one quarter scale that could look quite look quite good there. And, yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> look at that. Uh, I just wanted to guilties, give me just give me that I inspired. That's all I'm asking. Just constant <laughs> publicity. That's not so much. Yes, 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 yes. I would actually. I'd love to see. It. I mean, film noir is my favorite. All they do is play with with shadows, um, and I think it works really well with your stuff. This has also blew my mind, and I can't believe we didn't mention this until now. 
but you use like a, it, this isn't a professional grade camera. You, you know, and you not only are using all the auto settings, this is like a you know a little camera. You know, before That's cameras were on phones, this is a. I mean, this is years. This is decades ago. This is decades old technology being used. Yes. Oh no, no, and, and you use like sixty and like forty watt bulbs to light it. Talk about noir. Oh, my God, a good 60-watt bulb hovering over a scene. Uh, there's a snow scene of the uh, 32 Ford Woody in the snow under a street lamp. And I, mean, I find I get more responses from that, and it's exactly what you're saying. I did a black-and-white version of that, and it, it, it needed the color but instead of black-and-white. But, uh, yeah, uh, nice, strong shadows. They really set the mood. And, uh, and sometimes little LEDs way in the back background, you know, just illuminating a wall or something. Um, yeah. So that's, yeah, I, I can start looking at, I'm a film buff anyway, and uh, even down all the way back to silent films. And as a matter of fact, that's what started. That's a very good point. Um, the thing that's really inspired me to do this kind of stuff was uh, back in the 1950s, they were filling television space with anything. So they had this film about movie making in the 1920s, and they couldn't afford full scale props, so they made a model. And they had, this is a 1920 film, and they had an actor standing in front of the Coliseum model. And they had people pushing little dials up and down so it looks like the people were moving in the, in the Coliseum. And I was probably 10 at the time, and I went, it was the, oh, my God, you know, uh, yeah. kind of thing. And I carried that with me. And um, so, anyway. So that's where it all started. That's really where it all started. We can uh, thank, um, what is it, uh, KDKA-TV. <laughs> They're the ones who did it. Well, you know, it's funny. I'm a big board game fan. Okay. And the thing I love about board games are 3D board games. Mm -hmm. You know, like where you have models and they move around like a 3D oh, right. space. And like that. I really love that stuff. And there are people who, you know, paint these things. There's, there's miniature um, games where you're, you're basically creating reality in inches and feet. You know, there's World War II stuff, Civil War stuff. Usually it's fighting. It's all guys sitting around with these little models. But they kind of do, you know, to a lesser extent, what you do with little models. Like they take these little metal miniatures and they paint them and they all look extremely realistic. I mean, I saw one where a car had blown up and they had made the smoke and explosion out of, like, cotton. And, like, it was unbelievable, you know, the time and effort that people put into this stuff. I mean, it's... There's it's competitions crazy. for those too now, I believe, uh, for the mo painting the models. It's not Warcraft. I don't do I don't do gaming, but I know of it, and because some of the the stuff is spectacular, and they're oh, so yeah. small. I mean, yeah, they're I, super I, small. I feel like a barn painter compared to these people, you know. To, uh, <laughs> yeah, one twenty fourth. Yeah, try one hundred and eighth. You know, yeah. like it's make it small, small, small. But what's a dollhouse? I mean, because this is because there's like a a format, right? I mean, this is all standard. Right, a dollhouse is uh, is one inch to a foot, and so and I do quarter scale, which is one twenty fourth. That's half inch, and then then you start getting the trains set it up first. Uh, I don't want to get too bogged down, but uh, there's HO. Everybody knows HO scale, and uh, HO stands for half of O. O scale is actually Lionel, so that was Lionel was sort of the, the foundation for the trains. So someone said, let's make the train smaller, so we'll call it HO. But above that is Lionel is S gauge, slightly larger, and then there's G scale, which is close to what I do. So yeah, everything's broken down to scale. Uh, it's just easier to manipulate uh, to figure out you know, what you need. Yeah, and it makes it difficult to mix and match kind of things. Yes, but uh, there's probably a formula for it. But I learned just by mistake uh, that I I wanted a far I wanted to make the base that I photograph on is only three feet by four feet, and I wanted the cars to look really far away. So 
I had a little uh, H uh, Lionel scale, O scale car, and I put it put it at the edge of the table. And God, didn't you know it looked just like it was, you know, four blocks away. Oh, that's great. Moment, <laughs> that's yeah. amazing. Um, there's this there's this documentary called Marwin Call. Have you heard of this documentary? Nope. No. Uh, it's pretty amazing. It's about a guy who basically created like a town out of um, like action figures. And the town has like a, a storyline that goes through it. It's pretty interesting. Oh, I'm, what's Is it that? The World War Two guy? The World War Two? No, it's not World War Two. It's it's like modern. Um, okay. But you should check that out. I mean, it's um, it's it's pretty amazing. It's not really what you do. But the reason why I'm bringing it up is I think there really is something to. Clearly, you've got all these thoughts in your head. Clearly, this is a real place for you. You know, you should let people in on that. Obviously, you know, you're going to have trolls coming out telling you that uh, you shouldn't donate to you. But most people, I think, will really appreciate the stories that connect all the pictures that you've taken. You know, and it also gives you like a narrative focus that you can use. You're good. You want to be my publicist? Yeah, sure, man. Sure, that's what I do. Um, Good, we'll talk. We'll talk. No, but ser I mean, but that's what draws people in. Like, it's it's great to see the pictures. I mean, they are unbelievable. I mean, w without doubt. But I think to really engage people, yeah, add add a narrative structure to it. I, like, I'm a film guy. I went to film school. You know, I mean, it's people like stories. People like to know the story behind stuff. Not yeah, it's cool to put yourself in it and build your own story. But you know, to give it a little bit of you know something. I think is a way to connect everything, and frankly, a way to write books and sell books. To be perfectly honest with you, you know that's what we're here to do. The uh, actually two things. For, uh, one is about typeface. Reminded me about typeface. Uh, the, okay. the, but going with what you're talking about is, um, yes, it, the narrative would tie it together, and the the one side of me says, well, then that would restrict what people it, it it solidifies the town in a way i that might be a good thing you know maybe that would allow me to go on to other things you know just kind of let hilton park do what it you know commit it to a story and stuff like that so um i don't know that's that's, that's actually a very good point though thank you thank you very much uh, you know i think if you put i think you do in some ways if we're gonna have an artistic conversation i think it's very helpful to put line structure around elgin park that this is where it lives and this is the world you've created oh. and it tells stories in that community and then that's that. And that allows you the freedom to create another community or to create something else so that now all your work is kind of that world. We'll make that world its own world and then we're gonna blast off and go to a different world you've created where you've got aliens crashing and you've got you know murders unsolved and the, <laughs> you know, the, the suburb of Elgin Park, you know, yeah. whatever it's called, Seedyville or whatever, Shelbyville. <laughs> <laughs> like I think that'd be great, and if it happens, uh, I want to cut. That's all I'm saying. Oh, I want to. I want to get. I want to get my beak wet. Okay. No, but uh, yeah, and I mean, it, who knows? But I mean, it allow. I think it allows you to expand as an artist. I don't think that that hinders you or restricts you in any way. No, that that is very true. Uh, and I have to say, as much as I like, uh, and I'm not being nostalgic with my pictures. Oddly enough, I'm not. I just happen to like the way cars looked from that certain period, from 1920s up to 1966. That was that's a period that just you know, makes my palms sweaty design wise. So that's mm -hmm. that's that is. It's a kid's but, show. Take it easy. It's a kid's show. Yeah. Oh yeah. But in some ways, it is a hermetically sealed world, and there is time. There are times when I just go, okay, enough of this. I mean, I'm not putting Elgin Park down, but you know, it just it doesn't. 
it's like Pleasantville. It doesn't change. You know, what's beyond Main Street? There's no nothing beyond Main Street. And and I occasionally feel that. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, again. But I do painting and illustrations on the side. I don't know if you've seen those on my site. Um, I haven't. Let's put some, send me some. I'm going to put them on the website. Okay. But now? Well, don't no. send them. Let's finish the interview first. But then <laughs> afterwards, send them to me. And then when I post the interview, they're going to be on the website. If you think Elgin Park is uh, is anal, I mean, I did some colored pencil drawings of cars. I mean, they are just, they're out of control. And even I know they're out of control. Uh, is, but, you know, I, I can do this kind of stuff. But anyway, before I have to interrupt myself. I have to uh, tell you a story about uh, people who get so involved in, in my images and all that. I had posted a, a picture of, of a car wash, and I used plastic letters that I had. And I know that it was Helvetica, and uh, but somebody wrote to me, and I mean, really burnt my eyelashes off with their you know, seared, seared note saying, Helvetica wasn't designed until 1957. How dare you, involve, you know, that you put this on the thing? <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh, I'm, don't delete this message, you know, but I got three more emails from the same person. I mean, this guy. Oh, my just, God. It's like, oh, calm down. It's, it, this town doesn't exist, sir, you know? <laughs> Whoa. Well, here's what's amazing about that, and this should give you comfort, and we're going to end on this. Okay. There are people out there that are more anal than you are. Oh, my God. I mean, that, that is a person who has, that deserves to be, that deserves, but that should be institutionalized for <laughs> <laughs> some reason or another. That's, ins that's the definition it, of insanity. It was insanity. That's and crazy. I, I but anyway. Um, well, let's let's plug some of your stuff. So you have a website. Is it? Uh, give me your website. Uh, I'm assuming you're on. You look like a Twitter guy. I'm assuming you're on Twitter. Well, I don't. I don't have a cell. I have a landline. How's that? I, I don't have a cell phone. I don't have a television set. I mean, this is just. I know. It sounds oh like I'm God. just. I, I am current though. I have antenna. You know, and it, I, can, I, I know what the pulse is. Yeah. Uh, but. Um, so will you, will you give me your website and then your Flickr account. Oh, and there are going to be links on the website for all this stuff. But okay. just in case you want to get to it immediately. Visit Elgin Park is is actually the, my own personal website. Just called it's all one word. VisitElginPark.com, and uh, it'll take you to. Uh, it can also it will also link you to Flickr. Uh, you can also send me email if you need. I answer everything, um, and uh, it also. And here's where you were talking about uh, you know, getting monetary compensation for it. Uh, I have actually you can buy some prints of mine through a site that I use. It's a family-run business, really wonderful people, and uh, you can order prints. Um, and so that's that's that. And then there's the Flickr site, which is my main site. You want to give them a plug, the, um, the people you can order the pictures from? Oh, they're called Smug Mug. Uh, one word, Smug Mug. Uh, wonderful, high-quality, stand-by-their-product. Um, you can get the prints uh, from 8.5 to, I think, 22 inches across. Uh, and they can have them sent to me if you want them autographed. Uh, I don't charge for autographs there. I'm sorry about that, but I don't. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, my, the book, uh, the first book that I had, Elgin Park, An Ideal American Town, is out of print, but you can still uh, find it in a used book you know, online and stuff like that. And uh, an interesting thing about that book is that because I was using a six megapixel camera, not knowing that they would be printed, uh, the pictures could not be enlarged. So they're relatively small photographs in that book but you'll get a, a sense of you know, where i came from that's incredible um well there you there you have it michael <laughs> paul smith thank you so much for being on the program and hey. don't forget to check all this stuff online thank you to everyone for listening and okay, have a good night